Okay, I hit record. Awesome. Yay! How are you? Good. Yeah. A little tired, but generally good. That's good. Yeah, I've been tired all week. This going back to work after a week off is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I've had an extra rehearsal this week, so another night when I was out late and Tuesday when I was not out late, I was still up late because the internet is a very shiny thing. It's a terrible place to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I tried for Michael Harley, but he's gone again. <laughs> yeah. And we're going into tech week next week, so mm. I have a full run rehearsal tomorrow morning with our costumes at parade and such. Mm. So we have to all wear them to see how they look under the lights. We might not all keep them on for the length of the show, but we'll see. And then uh, tech run is Sunday, which means doing all the lighting changes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then dress rehearsals Monday and Tuesday, and we open on Thursday. Excitement. Mm-hmm. And how long is it going to run? Three weeks. Cool. Starting the 9th and then... Ending the 25th, I believe. And which one is this? Cards on the Table. Is this the one where you're dead? No, it it was the one where I was going to be dead. Oh. But I ended up being bumped up apart because we didn't have enough people. And they figured it was easier to cast someone else for the guy who does one scene and then is dead. Mm -hmm. And give me a larger one. So I am now Superintendent Battle of Scotland Yard. Ooh, fun. Yes. I get to put everything together and figure everything out. Well, Mrs. Oliver gets to figure a lot of it out and then tell me stuff, and then I get to arrest the guy at the end. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it'll be a good show. I've mostly got everything down. I just There's a few bits where I skip a section of lines or put them in in the wrong order or things mm-hmm. like that still. but These things happen. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let's see. What's happening at my house? It's raining. Mm-hmm. My poor it's mom's... actually sunny here, which is nice. It hasn't been doing that a lot recently, but... Yeah, it's it was sunny when I walked from the main house over here. But the clouds are coming back in, so it'll be raining before very long, I'm sure. Mom's hurt her knee, so she's not walking Bonnie. So Bonnie's having fits because she wants to go for a walk. Mm. So we had dinner and she just stared at me like, please take me to the park, please. And I said, I can't, I have to go podcast, please. So I promised her I would take her to the park tomorrow. Because mm. I don't have to go to work. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I didn't have to go to work today, which was also nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Is it a holiday? Yep. It's Good Friday. So. Oh, that's true. We so don't. Get most good, of a lot of things Friday are closed. Off, so I don't think of it as that kind of a holiday. Mm. Well, the people at the bank were off. That was closed. The buses were running on Sunday hours, and they're not running at all on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else might have been open or closed. I haven't really tried to go a lot of places today. 
just had services this morning and then came back here and made myself brunch and watched random things. A couple episodes of MasterChef Canada, and now I've watched an episode of The Flash, which I was three behind on, so now I'm only two behind. <laughs> That's cool. I guess the Mark Hamill one was last week. It was. I heard that came one was out really on the thirty first. That'll be fun, but I have. Well, I suppose we should begin with the fic and all of yep. that sort of thing. Do you guys get Easter Monday off, or do you just no, not get a No, we don't get anything day? off, yeah. Yeah, we get Friday, but not Monday. I remember getting Monday off in school, but uh, I don't know if there's any jobs that do that. All right. I tried Ryan. He said no. I tried Michael. He said no. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I guess oh, it's you rather and me. short notice to I know. drag someone on. I, I, I was floored by the fact that Aaron had actually read the story. We can do it. Yeah, we'll be fine. I have faith in us. I do too. We do alright as the Scott and Sue show. And you know, if you want, if Scarlett or Trisha want to record random voicemail bits, we can always stick them stick in them somewhere. In. Yeah. The new Phil uh, from the future. David Vermouth from the mm-hmm. forum is excited to do voicemails and intros and things like that so always good to have new talent yeah yeah be interesting to see if he follows through with it or not i said send them to me i'll put them in they've been very busy not related to um much of anything okay Uh, have you seen the uh fundraiser for the thing nathan fillion and alan tudyk are doing i have seen I didn't realize it was a fundraiser, but I saw something about it. Yes. Yes. They're, they're making a web series called con man about a guy who goes to all the cons who was on a sci-fi show that got canceled 10 years ago. And his (laughs) career has just gone down the toilet since he played the pilot and he just sort of keeps going to the cons and his friend who played the captain has rocketed to stardom is, Matt Damon famous, as the description goes. <laughs> and uh, that would be played by Nathan Fillion. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. no, actually, that sounds pretty fun. I might have to throw so they, some money on them. They're making it because they made their $1 million goal in the first two days. But there are seven days left. And as they go on, they're adding more extra things that they can do. Like they've gone through and they're now making the full a 10 episode series instead of the original three that they were raising a million for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now have some extra perks like for $50, you can get photo book of pictures that Nathan took while he was on the set of Firefly and things oh, like that. Fun. Or, and those ones are just sort of separate. You, you pay your $50 and that's what you get and that's it. Mm-hmm. But then, then, a lot of the other ones have the various things included, so you can get streaming access to the whole series, or you can get a DVD of the series, mm-hmm. and get uh, T-shirts from the fictional sci-fi show that they were supposedly on, or you know things like that. Oh, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. The this one is this one's in, in a little bit poorer taste, and I I may pull it out of the podcast, but. 
Did you see the baby that was born with no nose? I don't think so, no. People calling him Voldemort? He looks like Voldemort, yeah. And he he literally was born with no nose or nasal cavity. Sort of been tempted to post it, but at the same time I'm like, "Eh, that's just a little mean. Poor guy. The texts from Harry Potter thing has been making the rounds again. That one was pretty funny. That was... That was originally came up a few months ago, I think, or last year sometime. And then somebody made it as a post, and then BuzzFeed made it as a video, and then now it's recirculating. Somebody texting Voldemort a picture of a nose, Mm -hmm. just because. Yeah. Uh Oh, apparently I was wrong. Uh, It was the original goal was 425,000, and I think what happened is they made it to a million in the first day or something like Mm -hmm. that. So they are now at 2,678,755. Their next big goal, if they get to 3 million, they'll make a a game for it for Android and uh, iPhone and that sort of thing. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So far, what they've unlocked, if I get to the right page, the original goal was to make three episodes. Then they went through, they've got Instagram accounts, another episode, some wallpapers, uh, uh, several comics for the the sci-fi series, Spectrum. More episodes, a soundtrack, additional language subtitling, things like that. They go to, they got to the doing the DVD, that was two million. Now they have a, they're making another comic book. And a novel. And everybody who's contributed gets a free ebook of this novel for Spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then three million is the, the game. It's pretty cool. I have to decide whether I want to add another fifty dollars and get the photo book thing or not. Because mm-hmm. it you know, it's not that much, but at the same time it is kind of. <laughs> yeah. So. Especially if you've already donated once yeah. before. So it's hard to say, but I have seven days to decide. There you go. <laughs> well, throw me a link. Maybe I'll throw something in, too. And someone else has contributed $5 as I've been talking about this. <laughs> the number's gone up. That's what I was telling Julie. I sent Julie the link to the Dragon Podcast, Dragon Bard Podcast, and then said... I posted it in the Dangerous Room instead of the room with us. Yeah, I'm not in the Dangerous Room. So Aaron just wrote back and said, I'm much more able to podcast normally, just tonight's bad. I said, cool, come Monday. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Speaking of podcasting. Yeah, I know. I suppose we really (laughs) ought to do this. Well, you know, we haven't chatted for a while, so. Depends on how much you want to edit, I guess. (laughs) Yep. It wouldn't be so hard to actually stand up when we get done. The accidental animagus. Indeed. By the white squirrel. Whose other story apparently everybody likes a lot too. Mm-hmm. The Arithmancer, that's a fun one. Yeah. That's so a, that's a Hermione story. Okay. I might have She's to check that one out. More interested in math specifically than just books in general, so she starts she writes to Hogwarts and 
I don't know if I can't remember if she writes before she gets there, but I think once she's there, she applies to, you know, test out of arithmancy and gets to go into the third year class when she's a first year and, you know, things <laughs> like that. Well, that does sound like fun. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yes, that was the other one Aaron said. I, I think I like that one just a little bit better. This one's a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. It is. I like it. So. When we last left our heroes... Go for it. <laughs> Harry was finally adopted by the Grangers officially. And so he really gets to have his own family, which is fun. It is fun. That's the end of Chapter 8. And we begin now with Chapter 9. Should we, but I guess we should do the actual do. proper intro first. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Bob will be shaking his fist at us. <laughs> you guys! For Friday, September 11th, here's episode 218 of Potterfic Weekly, the podcast where the story and the insanity never end. Very awesome fun. Very awesome fun. That's us, man. There's something going on. I'm not Microsoft. <laughs> I wasn't snoring, was I? How about Sherbert Levin? If I start snoring, let me know. We're Never mind. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Uh, we're just having adventures. Yep. Adventures. adventures are good. Good girl. Not just good Ooh, we're evil. <laughs> How's that go, guys? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I snorted so much yesterday, it was unreal. (laughs) (laughs) Same snake time, same snake channel. It's all snake time. Of course, he's. I need to learn how to have a filter on my mouth. Oh, my Yes, Scott. They're there to talk about the sector. They're going to worry about homework later. (laughs) I swear, I read them for the stories. (laughs) (laughs) Sex and snow gags. Awkward. I'm so good at nightmares. (laughs) You always laugh before the end. I ought to think we please where the story lands. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Sue. And And today... The Scott and Sue Show today. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And we are covering... As mentioned, The Accidental Animagus by White Squirrel, and we are starting with Chapter 9. Yes, with Andromeda Tonks, who is coming for a visit. Mm-hmm. So it's July 1986 at this point, and she, the wards are so good she can feel them as she passes through. Yeah. And, but she's not really surprised because she does at least know what's going on. We'll get to a scene a little bit later when Nymphadora Tonks comes to visit, and she's like, what is this? I, I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway. It's interesting how well they feel the wards, you know? I wonder if it's just the Tonkses because they're sort of in tune to that kind of thing, or if everybody 
passing through feels. I think it's partly because they're they're particularly powerful. Mm -hmm. Like Harry and Hermione can feel them as well, and that's how they sort of start working out what magic feels like, which comes into play a little later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that could be true. And I just happened to have a thought because you mentioned it last podcast. You said you wondered if maybe the grandparents might know a little bit about magic. And mm-hmm. before I ever that got very far, not. yeah, I was like, no, wait a minute. It's his grandparents, not her grandparents. So probably not. And we will yes, find her out. grandparents were killed in the blitz, as we found out last mm-hmm. time. So Andromeda has dropped in to meet Harry. And she's a little nervous because she's never met him before. Sirius always wanted her to, but they were already in hiding at that point, so she didn't get to. Mm -hmm. And so she goes and knocks on the door. And Emma's a bit surprised that she actually looks so normal Mm -hmm. because she's had some practice living with Ted. She knows what Muggle looks like. Mm -hmm. But Emma's like, Emma's used to Dumbledore and purple. Mm-hmm. So. And McGonagall is a little more toned down, but even so, she doesn't quite know uh, what's in these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's still wearing robes. So but, so she invites her in and says, Harry! Your cousin's here! And so Harry runs in with dad and sister in tow. Mm-hmm. And they have a staring contest. They do, because... Because he's a cat, and mm-hmm. you don't look away when things someone's staring at you. <laughs> Apparently not. And it takes her a minute to figure it out, and then so she looks away. But she knows it's James and Lily's son, because there's just something about his eyes that look like Lily's, and he looks like James, so must be him. Actually, Emma sort of nudges him, and he blinks at her, mm-hmm. and... Then they shake hands. Yeah. And they introduce Hermione, and she thinks that's a lovely name. It's perfect for a young witch, and Hermione's kind of pleased because mm-hmm. usually everyone makes fun of her name. But, you know, this is the woman who named her daughter Nymphadora, so. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so they sit down and have a cup of, a cup mm-hmm. of tea. And... and they ask her to tell stories about the blacks because mm-hmm. Harry doesn't really know anything. Dumbledore hasn't told him much. And yeah. she's a good, she says, oh, really? He gave me a whole dossier on you. And they're like, <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he would, well, wouldn't he? Yeah. So she tells him a little bit about the Black family and that, you know, they're I mean, not... Mostly veers on to, into her own family. Mm-hmm. She's a little more comfortable talking about them. Tells about Nymphadora and that she wants to be an or a magical detective. Too much and, to expect uh, her to be in the family trade. Mm-hmm. Family in trade? this version, Andromeda's a healer, which I've seen in a number of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something we know from canon at all or not. Yeah, but, I don't uh, remember It does either. seem to be fairly common. And Ted, in this, works in an apothecary. Mm-hmm. So. And he, a lot of times, has some sort of a healer-type role in Fix as well. So I've seen a few where he works more in the muggle world, at least one where he's a weatherman, because <laughs> the weatherman in book one is named Ted, 
and oh. somebody has decided that that's really Ted Tonks. Interesting. But, you know, there are other Ted's in Britain, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, no, he can be the only one. <laughs> yeah. It's he's the one who announces that, you know, there's flocks of owls and um shooting stars and Lots all of, of that. Shooting stars the day Harry arrives. So but they get to talk about healing and how that's different and the same in mm-hmm. the Muggle and Magical worlds. And the Grangers are kind of pleased about that because, you know, they don't, they haven't met many wizards who pay much attention to Muggle things. Yeah. They're, it's neat to be able to find a peer that you are, you know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're the same. That's kind of cool. And it's always good to, you know, share notes about if if you have the same or similar professions, it gives you another thing to talk about. Yeah. So small talk isn't so awkward. And then they get into talking about the Wizengamot because they don't really know much about that either. Yeah. And Andromeda's Harry's proxy at the moment. So oh, yeah. she tells them kind of how that's set up. And we have <laughs> 44 seats that are hereditary. Six that are elected and eight that are appointed by the ministry. Yeah. And then she says that she talks a little bit about Lucius because then there's three main factions. Mm -hmm. There's the conservatives, the blood purists, and then there's the the other side, you know, Mm -hmm. the the muggle lovers. And then there's the, the neutrals in the middle. And she talks about Narcissa and Lucius and, you know, that Lucius probably bankrolled new you, you know who. And Dan's like, who? You <laughs> no, know we who. don't know. No, we don't. Who's up first? You don't know who v- 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 Voldemort is? Oh, him. <laughs> oh, that guy, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and Annie's eyes widen because they're so calm about the whole thing. And they're, yeah. Well, know. Dumbledore says it all the time. They're yeah. like, well, yeah, that, that's Dumbledore. He's weird. Yeah. <laughs> And she tells them he's described as he who must not be named. And Hermione's like, that just makes him scarier, which is mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then they talk a little bit about Sirius Black. Yes, mm-hmm. he's been told that his godfather is a Death Eater. He's an Azkaban. It's an Azkaban. And so is Regulus. So the nearest po- proxy for Sirius is. Wizengamont's seat is Narcissa, and she votes in lockstep with Lucius, of course. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, once Sirius dies, they can nominate another family, and they have, you know, the Malfoys have one person they're likely to nominate. She'll nominate someone else, and mm-hmm. probably Malfoy will win because he's got the uh, clout. Yeah. Yeah. Because money speaks. But she wants to talk about how Harry's been doing. So mm-hmm. they talked about that for a while. And she's amazed by the whole idea of karate classes. Mm-hmm. And she gets them to demonstrate a little bit. And they're actually pretty good. Yeah. Even though they're only five and six. So. And she's very impressed because if they have that much control before they get a wand, once they get a wand, they're going to be basically unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing. So. She plans to introduce them to Ted and eventually Dora, but 
Probably not right now because she's not really great about keeping secrets just yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though she wants to be an Auror. Mm-hmm. And, and she brings out Harry's birthday present. Yes. A model of a flying motorcycle. And Harry's like, I had a dream about one of those once. <laughs> mm-hmm. It might have been the one Sirius Black intended. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically a remote control motorbike. Yeah. But it's got a little silver wand instead of a, a radio box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Dan, Dan and Emma are like, is this okay? And she says, oh, yeah, just tell him it's remote control and you'll be fine. Okay. As long as it's not obviously magic, it doesn't mm-hmm. count quite the same way. And then once, once Harry and Hermione head off to play, Dan and Emma want to talk about where does Dumbledore get all these titles? What's mm-hmm. going on with Dumbledore? And Andromeda says, well... It's not like he campaigned for them. They just sort of gave them to him because of everything with Grindelwald. He explains about the version of World War II in this fic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grindelwald. Apparently, Grindelwald was trying to break through the Western line at the Ardennes. And most muggles would have just seen a bunch of explosions and things. And Dumbledore went and dueled him and... Because Dan's like, wait a minute, my dad was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people were, but he wouldn't have known anything because they just would have seen what they thought were explosions. And Dumbledore saved everybody, so they've given Dumbledore everything he wants. Well, even things he doesn't want. And several want. things he doesn't want, yeah. <laughs> and they keep trying to give him the minister position, but he keeps turning it down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's had this you know, title until, well, Harry took it away from him. And so after she leaves, they're thinking, uh-huh, they think Harry won a war too. Hmm, this is not a good thing. And Emma flips to the end of her to-do list and says... <laughs> Introduce democracy to the wizarding world. Yeah. <laughs> Dan points out just a few moments before that, you know, Dumbledore is both the most magically powerful person and the most politically powerful person. Mm -hmm. Is that not a problem? Well, no, that's sort of how it works. They're kind of not so sure about that. And we move on. Oh, go ahead. Andy says that um, she's wondered that before herself, but that's what happens when you win a war in the magical world. You get all this stuff thrust upon you. Yeah. And she feels like Dumbledore may be doing a little bit much, especially now that he's getting older and it's mm-hmm. getting harder to do. But yeah. So we move on from summer to fall. It is now October 1986. Mm-hmm. And Hermione wants to know what Harry's going to be for Halloween. And he is not sure he wants to do stuff for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't quite get it because she has always enjoyed Halloween because she actually gets to have candy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the only time the dentists let her have candy. And she doesn't and, understand why Harry's not excited about it, too. And, and her mother explains to her, you know, this is when his parents died. So he's not necessarily going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. And. Hermione's like, well, what about trick-or-treating? You can go 
if Harry doesn't want to go, he doesn't have to. You can always go with your dad, and he can stay here with me. And he says, well, okay, that would work, but it's not as fun. Then she goes over to talk to Harry, and Emma says, you know, you're our son, and we love having you as our son, but we also understand that you miss your birth parents, and maybe we can go visit their graves. And yeah, maybe we can do something. So he decides, yeah, that would be that would be good to get to go and talk to them. And they write to Andromeda to see if they can arrange that. And she writes back and says, yes, it's a good idea, but probably not on Halloween, because that's when all the wizards are there celebrating Harry Potter Day. Yeah, basically, that's when all the crazies come out. Mm-hmm. Lots of tourists and so on. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can make it the next Sunday, which is the second. And I wonder, I assume, given that White Squirrel's been dating all of these, that that probably was the second in 1986. Probably. Yeah. And she says that she'll she'll pay for the trip, and just make sure you cover up Harry's scar, and I'll bring Ted. So, mm-hmm. And they'll get to meet him that way. So... They tell ter- tell Harry this is the general idea, and he says, okay, that works. They don't mention that, you know, there will be a bunch of people there, mm-hmm. just that it'd be easier to, or they only mention that there will be lots of people there, not just... Right. Um, not just that it's going to be his day, but just that, oh, that's a day where people are out and about, so maybe that's not a good mm-hmm. day for you to go out to. So then... If they're going on the second, he can still go trick-or-treating with Hermione and decides that maybe he will do that since Paul and Tiffany wanted to go with them too. Mm -hmm. So since they're doing it kind of last minute, he and Hermione dress up as a witch and wizard. Yes. Because why not? Yeah, it works. Mm -hmm. So that on Halloween night, a ninja dressed all in black and a generic fairy tale princess show up to meet the witch and the wizard mm-hmm. and and paul is a little greedy for candy and he knows because he's the oldest he knows that the hermione or the granger's neighborhood's a little richer than their neighborhood so they're bound to get better and more candy so so they pause for dan to get a picture and then head off to get the scam as much candy as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and Harry kind of has a little bit of fun with it because he can wave his wand around and mm. do real wizardy things because he's in costume. Except then at one point it actually starts letting out sparks and he goes, oh, okay, kind of calm down on that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he probably shouldn't use Abracadabra because it kind of sounds a little bit like another A spell we know. So on into November, they head over to Godric's Hollow, meet Cousin Ted, who looks kind of like a combination of. Uh, Vernon and Dudley, because he's blonde and heavy set, but he's not nearly so large, and he's a much nicer guy. Yeah, so. Harry's not really afraid of him, and Dan says, hey, the car's in the garage, and they're like, no, we're going to take magical transport. Yeah, and they magical get to try the night bus. Yeah, they're not so sure about it. They scream bloody murder as they go, and the kids are sure they're going to die. Because they've got all these chairs, and they're just sliding freely around the floor, although they never seem to tip over. 
So they must have some sort of balancing charm on them or something. <laughs> but you'd it's... think they would, you know, stick the chairs to the floor. Yeah. No. Nah. Or put seatbelts on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like that the conductor is Ernie. Yes, Ernie Prang mm-hmm. is the conductor before he graduates to driving. To the driver, yeah. Take it That's away, one of Lou. the the names that I like that on lists of, you know, Joe having fun with words and names. Mm-hmm. Prang is a word for a crash. Of course it is. <laughs> oh dear. Mm-hmm. Well, so he's not having to well. worry about crashing in this case. He's just being the conductor. The Granger's kind of want to know what's going on with this, and aren't there any better <laughs> methods of travel than this? Andromeda says, "Well, there's kind of a cost to any sort of magic, and in this case, it's that traveling around quickly is uncomfortable." Yeah, because it would have been like a six-hour round trip to drive, and they got there in less than an hour. And so they first they go to the cottage the house where they lived and mm-hmm. they can see it because they're either magical or they have the man the anti anti muggle drums. Yes. Yeah. And so they get to see it. And I think Emma reads the, on this spot on this night of 31 October, 1981, Lily and James Potter lost their lives. Their son, Harry remains the only wizard ever to have survived the killing curse. This house, mm-hmm. invisible to muggles, has been left in its ruined state as a monument to the potters and a reminder of the violence that tore apart their family. Yeah. And there's all sorts of magical graffiti written around it. You know, thank you, thank you, Harry Potter, a message from Victoria McKinnon and Michael Dunbar and Dedalus uh, Diggle and Remus. And one that's probably from Snape, but is not signed. Yeah, I failed you, Lily. I am truly sorry. I swear you will be avenged. And this and is he's... just a little much for Harry, so he sets down and has a cry. Mm-hmm. And a cat comes out to see what's going on. And it turns out this is James and Lily's cat that they had mm-hmm. when he was little. And he's kind of a little wary of him because, you know, this was the tiny human thing that kept pulling on her tail and stuff. They uh, they don't know it at the time, but they, the cat kind of comes and he she sniffs Harry uh, Harry's hand and stuff mm-hmm. and she sort of purrs and stuff. But And then they head into the graveyard and they're looking at all the different gravestones and they see the Peveril one I said, oh, that's a really old one. Older than before this graveyard was even made. Yeah. They spot at first that it starts with P, but it's not the Potter one. And they notice the Dumbledores. So they know that, you know, the Dumbledores lived here and Mm -hmm. Kendra and Ariana died in 1899. And then they sort of figure out that the newer ones are farther in the back. back. Yeah. And they find James Potter and Lily Mm -hmm. Potter. And Harry reads out the quote, and Emma explains that it's in the Bible and plans to look it up later. Mm. And he wants to know what's he supposed to say, and she says, just whatever whatever you want to say. So, 
So he kind of mumbles through, hi, mom. Hi, dad. But after a little bit, he starts, you know, talking. I found a new mom and dad and they're really nice. And I've got a sister and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and she brings, he brings her over to introduce her. So she says hi to each of them too. And then he Emma sort of looks, gives Andy a look at go. Emma. Yeah. yeah. She asks him, them to step away a little bit so he can tell them about being an animagus. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be secret. So. Right. And then Emma kneels down and says hello to them and tells them that they really love their son. And I don't know how you saved him from Voldemort, but thank you. And he's such a joy. And Dan says, don't worry. We'll try to keep him safe and out of trouble. (laughs) They're going to have some problems with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's the thought that counts. Yeah, that's it. And the cat's been following them. So she kind of comes up and keeps watch with them. Mm -hmm. And Harry blinks with her. Yeah. And then Bathilda comes along Mm -hmm. to see who's here in the graveyard. And... um, And Andy doesn't think she'll recognize her, but she does. Yeah. So she's, because, you know, she might be old, but she's a smart little old lady. Mm Mm-hmm. And And she calls her professor, so uh, I wonder if she taught at Hogwarts at some point. I think she probably did. And we Mm -hmm. know that she wrote the textbook. Of course, then Hermione gets all excited. The history of magic. (gasps) We've read that, haven't we, Daddy? Well, Mm -hmm. mostly we've read it to you, but yeah, yeah, that works. And then... She notices it's Harry. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, you know, not let her have a close look at him, but mm-hmm. she does. And he's surprised that she knew Lily. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they kept, they always came over for tea. And so they talk about that for a little bit. And Andromeda says, you know, can we keep this private if possible? And she says, of course. And <laughs> the cat comes back onto the bus with them. Yeah. And then as the bus takes off, the cat jumps into Harry's lap and holds on for dear life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And Harry wants to know if they can keep it. and um, He wants to talk to it. Mm-hmm. So Dan says, all right, you can come inside for a moment and you can talk to it. And <laughs> when he turns into a cat, it is uh, rather shocked, yes. understandably enough. And Apparently, humans and cats share that particular reaction. <laughs> they yeah. do. And just plain cats don't have quite as good a vocabulary as Animagus cats, but he's able to communicate with her enough that he realizes that she belonged to the Potters. Mm-hmm. And he offers that, you know, he she can stay there and they will be her human servants. And she yep. likes that idea. They give food and comfort, and she really wants to be an indoor cat, so yeah, it works. That's what she was used to with the Potters. So. Mm-hmm. And he says he'll introduce her to Teacher Cat, but she doesn't know what that is. But she gets to And so she has been renamed Rowena because he can't translate her cat name. Yeah. And she becomes fairly good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she likes this. And she's an older cat, so she needs this mm-hmm. life of leisure. She's She never really becomes pals with Harry, because, you know, she still remembers him as a kitten. But mm-hmm. um, at least they they get along anyway. 
And then we move to December. Yay, I'm born. <laughs> Yay, and chapter 11. And everybody's safely in bed, tucked up in bed, except for this little black kitten that's hiding. And he hears a noise about midnight and sees how Father Christmas puts gifts under the tree and then goes up to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he just wanted to know the secret. Mm-hmm. He's okay with that. And he doesn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And in, then we're on to February, and they're thinking of maybe taking a summer holiday somewhere. Yeah. It's February is about the time when you look around and go, eh, it's winter still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go to Spain. <laughs> Have some, mm-hmm. some beach time. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And, then- and <laughs> Hermione spots a mouse. Screams. And Harry decides she's. He's better chase it. He'll go get it. Yeah. And they, he they does to manage to. But, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't actually knock over two lamps in a vase, but he gets close. <laughs> he does. And then he, he very proudly presents this dead mouse to them, as all cats do. And his parents are like, gee, thanks. And they're secretly glad he didn't eat it, but they're like, go brush your teeth. You don't know where that thing has been. <laughs> Yeah. I can see you're good at that, but maybe we'll use traps from now on. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go to September, and Mm -hmm. the Quibbler... I guess they had their uh, summer holiday. Mm -hmm. Yes, because British wizards saw Harry Potter vacationing in Spain with a family they didn't know anything about. And maybe Harry Potter's been... Traveling around. Everybody thought he was with some muggle relative, but maybe that's not true. Mm-hmm. And uh, Xenophilius feels a serious possibility has been overlooked that he's been deliberately moved out of the country by agents of the Rotfang conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Because you never know what those people will do. Uh, but... Right, yeah. <laughs> well, because they want to keep him from growing up to oppose the efforts to bring down the ministry from within. With dark magic and gum disease. <laughs> I love yeah. the gum disease. Since, you know, he's Hence now in a... Rotfang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's now in a dental family, so... Yes. The idea of him causing gum disease is pretty funny. Yeah, but... so then we're on to October 1987. There's a really big storm, mm-hmm. and they all end up waking up. And a tree limb snaps completely off and flies through the window. Yeah. And Dan's going to try to board it up, but Harry and Hermione are so scared that they do accidental magic and repair it. Yep. And then they kind of flip a sofa over on top of them, and no matter what Dan and Emma do, they can't get it to turn back over. The kids have sort of glued mm-hmm. it to the floor. Yeah. And so they just kind Except of sit on, it, on either side once of it. This- once the storm dives down and the kids crawl out, it's not stuck to the floor at all. It's perfectly no. normal. <laughs> Don't know why you couldn't move it. No. Yep. <laughs> so, Professor McGonagall comes along to see what's been happening because mm-hmm. there's been accidental magic up and down the the whole area. Um, so she yeah. wants to, you know, see how how they made it through. And to offer to fix anything the kids might have destroyed with their accidental magic. 
They, they fixed things with it instead. Mm-hmm. They did. But she helps him clean up the living room. Yeah, it's because there's, you know, water and leaves and various mm-hmm. other things that came through while the window was broken. And the kids are ashamed that they did accidental magic, but she says, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Grown-up wizards would have been afraid during that storm last night. Don't worry about it. And they're wondering, is there a way that you can do magic deliberately without a wand? Mm-hmm. He says, well, people do find it easier to sort of direct their accidental magic a little bit, especially with strong emotions. But to actually use it specifically, that's pretty rare. And only Dumbledore really has experience doing that. But, you know, it, it's possible. Yeah. So Hermione drags Harry upstairs because she's going to teach, you know, she's all gung-ho now. We're going to learn <laughs> how to do this. She's going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they realize that, you know, when they were fixing the window, they could feel this tingling feeling. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes that it was similar to what he feels when he changes, but directed differently somehow. Right. And so they're going to try to practice this. Yes, they are. And we move on another month, and they're out at recess playing on the jungle gym, Mm -hmm. which they often do, and then they're telling fun stories about things. Yeah, Paul's telling stories about the wedding, his cousin's wedding, that apparently Yes, which he's just been to, I guess. Mm -hmm. And his crazy uncle was started... Got drunk and started singing show tunes mm-hmm. all re- the whole reception. And right. Tiffany laughs so hard she falls off the railing she's sitting on. Mm-hmm. And Harry leaps after her and grabs hold while his own knees are wrapped all around the bar. Mm-hmm. And he manages to stop her from hitting the ground. Yeah. In a move that any Quidditch fan would have known as a Serafini snatch. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just a plain muggle, then maybe a flying trapeze kind of a move if you've been to the circus. Yeah. But. Sort of. It's what you do when your fellow player falls off their broom or whatever, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Snag uh, them out. So he saves her, and the playground attendant is very happy too. But yeah. she checks him over. She tells Harry he should go out for tennis or something. And Harry yeah. says, "Yeah." He's kind of thinking he might want to stick. To, he might want to go for Quidditch because he's read a few things about that, and it seems kind of cool. And we skip along a little farther to April the next year, and they're out shopping and meet Daedalus Deagle. Of course, which they do. Is what happened in canon? Do we know you? Oh no, you wouldn't, of course. But I'm delighted, Mister Potter. Just can't tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, uh, well, could you maybe keep it a little quiet? Get out of there fast. Yeah. Emma's thinking, oh, thank God they're not all like that. And they're sort of going, yeah, well, <laughs> depends on where you go. So, And then in August, Hermione has a torch or a flashlight, and she's trying to turn it on with magic. And mm-hmm. she's... You know, they figured out how to channel the magical feeling that they've had, and they know that magic interferes with electricity, so it's a natural idea to control it. So she's turned it on normally, and now she's going to try and turn it off. Mm -hmm. And 
she actually manages it, but she gets so excited by that that there's a surge in her magic and she breaks the yeah. bulb. <laughs> Oops. But they find that the wards around the house kind of teach them that once they begin paying attention to the wards, they can feel the tingle of magic every time they pass through them. And that mm-hmm. helps them identify their magic inside, too. Yeah. And so the next thing they decide to move on to levitation, because that's uh, perhaps less likely to cause things to break. Mm-hmm. Or explode. After another, most of another year, because this was in August 88, and then by July 89, mm-hmm. they've managed to get a coin passing back and forth between them and spin it around and do things with it. Right. And Hermione pretty much always does a little bit better than Harry does, because mm-hmm. she's really determined about to get this. And the Tonkses are coming to visit, Mm -hmm. so they have to stop playing with their coin and get back to cleaning the room. (laughs) And Ted and Andromeda have come, and they have brought Tonks. Mm -hmm. And as Tonks... Dora. Dora. Yes. It's true. Dora. She doesn't know what's going on, Mm -mm. because it sounds... Her mother has told her this is a reward for passing her owls and mostly staying out of trouble. She can come to secret meetings and she's sort of going, I don't know if I want to go to political meeting or something. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be boring. And then they show up in a muggle neighborhood in London. And they're like, well, what? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the mailbox says the Grangers. And she's like, that's not any wizarding family I've ever heard of. And then they cross through the wards, and she's like, blimey, these wards are strong! Mm-hmm. And they meet Harry Potter! Yeah! And her hair turns green, and he's just as shocked as she is. <laughs> <laughs> this is our daughter, daughter Nymphadora, and she's like, does it just Dora, please? Watch her, Mr. Granger! <laughs> and then she's like, mm. bloody hell, it's Harry Potter! <laughs> he says, bloody hell, your hair turned green. <laughs> yeah. Language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, the reason she's shocked to meet Mr. Granger is that he calls her mother Andy. Mm-hmm. And no one has done that since um, Narcissa stopped doing it. Right. So they explain that Dora's a metamorph mages. Mm-hmm. And Harry wants to know if she can look like a cat. Uh-huh. Because first she copies him and... Uh, looks like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to know if she can do a cat. And she says, hmm, cats are hard. Well, let's see. And she has to kind of do it individually mm-hmm. in each each part change on its own. And the ears are particularly hard. And she manages to do it for a little bit. And then Harry sh- thinks that's pretty cool. Shakes it off. And I grew my hair back once, but it was probably accidental magic. And he says, Dora's hair changed color to whatever she was looking at for eight months after she was born. Yeah. Although I did have a fic idea at some point, and I'm probably not the only one, of that actually being a thing where Harry was going to turn out to be a metamorph mages mm-hmm. and not realize it. They, she tells him that he's going to be big news when he 
gets to Hogwarts and and he says that's why Dumbledore wanted him in the Muggle world in the first place. It's not about him hiding, it's about him having space. They find out that Minister Bagnold has announced his retirement. Her, I think. Yeah, her, Minister Bagnold is a is a woman. Yes. Yeah. And their choices to succeed her are Cornelius Fudge or Barty Crouch at the moment. And they sort of both have pluses and minuses because Crouch is pretty hard line and he's known as fairly rash. And But then Fudge is just kind of wishy-washy and likely that Lucius will get to him at some point. And, you know, they've tried to ask a few other people that would be more sensible to do it and none of them want to touch the job. <laughs> Smart people. Mm-hmm. And... She can't do it because then Harry would have to have a new Wizengamot proxy and the next in line is Arthur Weasley and you know he's great at uh, working around in things out of sight but he wouldn't be a good choice for in the Wizengamot chamber. Although I know and love would rise to the occasion. Probably, but Andromeda is not sure about that, so she doesn't want to take the chance. And she notices they were thinking about, well, she, oh no, she gives them some papers and they mention that they're planning to go to Italy. She says, oh, well, that, that would be great. And suggests they stop by Magical Naples because that's pretty good. But yeah. lots of the Muggle sites are beautiful as well. So they talk about their plans for a while and Dora's kind of getting a bit lost. Yeah, so she talks to the kids about Hogwarts. It's all mm. towers and moving stake staircases and floating candles and ghosts and talking portraits. Talking portraits, wow! Mm-hmm. She likes talking to muggle boards because they're easy to overawe. She says, I bet you're excited to start learning magic. And they sort of go, well, actually, we already have learned some. <laughs> and show her their floating coin trick. and. All the Tonks is like, wow, that's amazing. And they're like, yeah. really? It's, it's a floating coin. <laughs> yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. Dora's like, bloody hell. And Andy's like, sweet Merlin. And Ted's like, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> and they just laugh at them. And they said, yes, wandless magic at nine and ten is amazing. Nobody, yeah. rarely anybody tries to do it at all. And almost no one gets any good. And Hermione says, but it'd be really useful. Yes, it would. Yeah. But, if you lost your wand, then you just you, die. And, you know, if you have wandless magic where you can summon your wand back, then you have a fighting chance. And Dora's like, ooh, I know what I'm going to do for my charms project. Mm-hmm. And so they, and then they demonstrate their self-defense stuff. Mm -hmm. And they really are good by now. In fact, I think it's the next chapter that, uh, not quite. Not quite. Oh, yes, it is. It's the second section of the next chapter. Harry gets his black belt. Gets his black belt, yeah. But first, we're watching Doctor Who because, you know, gotta well, do that. You've gotta watch Doctor Who. I'm wearing my, my Doctor Who Privet Drive t shirt today. The one that, the same one that, uh, Keza posted on Facebook about yesterday. Did you see mm -hmm. that one? It's the, it's got the TARDIS, and then it's got Privet Drive, and then all these owls sitting around it. 
Okay. Fun. I've probably seen it at some point, but I don't remember seeing it recently. The owls are all saying, whoo, whoo. (laughs) Of course they are. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this line that's quoted at the beginning of the chapter is the, the voiceover that they did when they realized that the last episode of season 60, whatever it was, in... 89 was going to be the last Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. So this is the voiceover that they put back in. It's what the Doctor's saying at the very end of the final episode in 1989. And that's where things wound up until they did the the, the American movie in 96 and then the actual rebooted series in 2005. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Doctor Who voice? Can you read it? Doctor Who? I don't know. I've never really learned how to do the <laughs> Sylvester McCoy voice. It's uh, Radagast from The Hobbit. That's yeah. the seventh Doctor was Sylvester McCoy. He's got the little uh, Scottish lilt on his arms. We could probably, I bet we could find a video of that moment because it is fairly well no, known. That would be fun. Okay, I'll, I'll look for it. We're watching Broadchurch. Have you started Broadchurch yet? I haven't. I don't know if there's anywhere I can get it in Canada or not. Do you unless there's a website that I can... I do not. Okay. Well, Bob's watching season two on YouTube. He says the quality's pretty bad, but he was so engrossed after watching season one that he couldn't stand not knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. So um, you might be able to find it on YouTube. I don't know. But I was watching this week with mom and, you know, David Tennant's in it and he's, he's got a little bit of a Scots accent going on. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other police officer whose name escapes me at the moment, but so she's in it. Normally mom can understand her. She barely understands David, but mom can understand the lady. Well, the lady got all excited and started talking really fast and mom's like, what did she just say? And I was like, well, I understood it, but I can't quite explain it to you. So I rewound it. We listened to it three times. We never did understand exactly what she said. My mom's like, I That's love the show, before. but I can't understand a word they say. <laughs> so, yeah, David mm. and his little Scottish. Little Apparently scary. I could watch the last two episodes from season two, episode six and seven, but. I think that would be an awkward place to start. It would be an awkward place to start. Yeah, you need to start at the the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good, and it's it's very consuming. I mean, I watched them in three days. Bob watched them all in one night. And to get us back on track, the author says in the author notes that, yes, I am an uber nerd who has watched all 800 episodes of Doctor Who. What of it? <laughs> so he is a big Doctor Who fan as well, and we're all fine with that. Mm-hmm. So, so we we have the quote, which I'm gonna hopefully find and stick in here. And then mm-hmm. Harry says, "Ace would totally have been cooler with super cat powers." <laughs> Everybody's like, "Yeah, yes. you would say that." Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the point of that episode, I've not seen it, but mm-hmm. apparently. The Doctor and the Master are on this planet with cat people. Okay. And there's some sort of virus thing or something about it that you, you can acquire this 
mutation and become a cat person. And the master actually has it happen to him. And I'm guessing from reading this that Ace has an opportunity to do that and manages to resist the change or something like mm. that. It's it's probably a thing where if you turn into a cat person, you lose some of your self-control and things mm-hmm. like that or whatever. Yeah, it says that I think it's better that she resisted violence. So apparently the cat people. And, and the the Face of Bo episode, the one mm-hmm. where you, the one. With the cat kind, you mean? Yeah. The, with and New New Earth? He's at the hospital with where the cat people are. And it mm-hmm. seems to me, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it seems to me that the the reason that they all kind of worked at the hospital was because they were trying to make amends for something. So maybe in the past they were very mm-hmm. violent and now they're... I'm not sure and- if they are meant to be the same as people on this planet or not. I, As I said, I haven't seen that episode. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, well, I'm sure, sure but- someone who knows more about Doctor Who than we do can tell us. Mm-hmm. Hopefully somebody will write I've in. been watching some First Doctor episodes recently, actually. Well, that's going fun. through, because a lot of them are on... There's a big anniversary coming up, apparently. Well, it's been this has been 10 years since the, the reboot started, so that's one thing, because it started in 2005. Yeah, so a lot of the First Doctor episodes are on uh, Daily Motion, so you can go and watch them. They're, you know, 22-minute episodes. 23 and they they all have like the way that episodes worked in the original doctor who stuff is you would have three or four or five or eight episodes that were all uh, one serial mm-hmm. so you would they each have their things that happen specifically in that episode but they tie together in that group each one is 23 24 minutes but then the whole story might be much longer depending yeah they had a a few that were only two episodes long but a lot of them are longer well that's cool i looked it up it's on the david Tennant page on facebook and it says bbc worldwide launches 10th anniversary doctor who bundle on bittorrent so you can Uh get a bundle of of doctor who on bittorrent yes it's probably uh all new series yeah it's got the the new doctors all Mm -hmm. nine through 12 so probably but there you have it in point of fact we can find the episode i was talking about on daily motion as well so Mm. at least the first part minor sidetrack because you know dr who dr who we move on to april of 1990 and harry has been training really hard because this is a day when he could pass to get his black belt Mm mm-hmm Yes. And he almost overdoes it. He's got a couple times when he could have broken his wrist but but didn't quite mm-hmm. or he almost rolled an got ankle. A, landed badly on his ankle and mm-hmm. yeah. And having and, rolled my ankle, that hurts. <laughs> so hmm. I'm glad he didn't do that. Ouch. And then having gone through that with gone through a bunch of different opponents, they line them up against sort of relative equals Mm -hmm. and see how it goes. And Harry does manage to get his black belt, his first degree black belt. Yes. Along with several other other people, people, it looks like. Unless there were more after his name and we just don't get told that. 
But, ah yes, there's six in total. So there were two more after Harry, but they weren't paying attention at that point. Yeah. And and they, they take him out to his favorite barbecue restaurant. Mm-hmm. The only American bar- American style barbecue place for miles around because he likes his red meat, does Harry the cat? Yes, he does. <laughs> and then in June 1990, they go to their annual trip for Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Mm-hmm. And they're going for a spin on the wild mouse, which Harry insists is very aptly named. Oh. And as they're heading away, this group of teenagers kind of go sort of through them. And he, Harry hears one of them say, come on, we've got to get to the avalanche. And somebody says, hold your horses, Dudley. And Harry freezes because he, he recognizes both Dudley's voice and Aunt Marge's voice. And it's the 23rd, which is Dudley's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so they have a bit of a chat. And yes. Marge is still a pain in their butt. Yes. She's not impressed with the Grangers, and they are not impressed with her. No. And eventually they just separate each other and go off again. Mm-hmm. Go there very, you know, yeah. She calls him the little brat who gave my brother so much trouble. And Dudley's, like, trying to shut her up because he knows about magic. And and he's like, you know, D- don't make him mad at March. <laughs> you know. Dan steps in and says, uh... I'll thank you not to talk to our son that way. And Mark's like, yeah, well, I hope he didn't give you as much trouble as he gave my brother. Dan's like, he hasn't given us any trouble. Yeah. Deadly's like, he's going to use his freakishness. <laughs> they all kind of leave. Yeah. But Dudley turns around and says, I'm sorry about before. Because at Marge also has nasty things to say about Petunia, because, of course, Vernon is not in the wrong. Can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. fell into the wrong sort of people. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to Christmas, 1990, and they're trying to decide whether or not to tell Dan's parents that the kids are magic. And they really want to tell them at some point, and they thought about telling them last year, but they they decided it wasn't quite the thing to do. But this is kind of their last chance to tell them before they've already gone off to Hogwarts. Right. So they decide to go ahead with it. And we can, you know, have them demonstrate their wellness magic stuff at least. Yeah. Well, they ask the kids if what the kids want to do. And then they have to kind of decide if they're going to wait until after Christmas or if they're going to do it before Christmas or what. But they decide that they're going to do it before Christmas, the evening that they arrive. Mm-hmm. And so, and so they they say they're magical, they're a witch and wizard, can do magic, and they demonstrate levitating a cup and saucer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Grandpa like runs his hands all around it looking for strings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Grandma tries to say abracadabra, and they're all like, no, no don't, don't say it! Grandpa uh, thinks they're part of a cult. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. messing around with this cult stuff. And he says, no, it's not a cult. It's true. So, yeah. and they take it fairly well. You know, it's not the, they don't embrace it by any means, but they take it okay. 
and mm-hmm. and grandpa's just he doesn't know how to take it and he just defies the laws of science and emma says no actually we've been studying this and we think you know there are rules about the way this works it's not just magic magic isn't magic the way that some people think about it you can't just wish for something and have it happen but we figure this is some kind of energy thing that we just don't understand yet mm-hmm. and then they explain about you know there being a whole society around this and that seems to the it kind of lets them think about it a little differently i guess yeah so there's because it, there's like this whole other world kind of and it makes it almost more believable that way mm-hmm. different than you know well there's people that can run around and do magic that are intermixed with the muggles but if mm-hmm. you have a society that actually has politics and a government and schools mm-hmm. and stuff like that then it makes it more believable somehow yeah and they explain that that's why they hadn't told them is there are laws against it and things mm-hmm. like that and well you know it'll at least it'll be good for chopping vegetables so yeah. you know they tell them stories and read things from history of magic and the tales of beetle the bard and things like that yeah and christmas morning two owls appear from ted and andy and Nymphadora and get Quidditch through the ages and an autographed copy of Hogwarts of History. Yes, which... and Quidditch through the ages is signed too, which mm. they don't even know who Kenilworthy Wisp is. But so I guess it's just as well they told the grandparents, otherwise, you know, they'd have to Explain somehow the hide owls. that owls were showing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Dora sends Honeyduke's chocolate that says that it's okay for muggles, <laughs> safe for muggle consumption. <laughs> show to going, is there candy that isn't? Oh, dear. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of scary. And then January, Hermione gets her black belt. Mm-hmm. January of 91. Mm-hmm. And she's been working really, really hard, and she's she's got it. And then Sensei John tells them that tells everybody that they've been working really hard, but that they're leaving in the fall, going to boarding school in Scotland. But they know that he knows that since they're such dedicated students, that they will keep up their training. And she says, "Yes, Sensei John." And the family all mm-hmm. smiles. So we move on to July, and Professor McGonagall has shown up to give them their letters mm-hmm. and explain about getting to King's Cross Station and. Going there's an orientation for an muggle born students yeah. that they should probably go to. And she will accompany accompany them to fend off Harry's admirers. Yes. If they come. And she doesn't really have to explain as much to them because they already know, so she's mm-hmm. going to head off to talk to the other five muggle families that she has to visit today. And they're pretty excited they're finally getting to go to Hogwarts. I love Dan. Is it a bad sign that most of the things on their school list I kind of recognize? (laughs) (laughs) Actually makes sense. Oh, dear. So, chapter 13, they head to the orientation, and they're actually early. And That sounds pretty typical of a Granger. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that they don't quite get about meeting at the train station, but uh, Mm -hmm. they sort of recognize the other Muggleborn families by the wandering around looking confused. And it's oh, it's Sir William Fitch Fleshley, who they've met at charity functions, apparently. 
So they go up and introduce themselves to him, and then it's Kevin Entwistle and his family come along, and then Terry Boot and his family, and then McGonagall comes, appears with off a port key with another family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, the Perks, she says the Perks family couldn't make it, but everybody else has made it, yay! Mm-hmm. And, she, and the reason we're here is because this is where you get on the train to Hogwarts on platform nine and three quarters. And they're also going nine, 10, nine, mm-hmm. 10. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So and so she explains about the wall and how you go through that. And Harry and Hermione are like, okay, and head off. And do it, yeah. And she yeah. has met their tickets. So she passes out the tickets to the parents. Keep track of them. So the kids don't lose them. So she's a little bit more organized than Hagrid was as mm-hmm. a, you know, Yes. A greeting point. Very much so. So they all take a a turn going through the wall so they know how to do it. And then she says, now we'll go down the street to go to Diagonally. Diagonally. Mm -hmm. And uh, Annabelle, Urswistle, Entwistle? Entwistle. Entwistle, yes. Is complaining because she has to wait two years before she can get a wand, and the boot siblings nod, and Harry and Hermione kind of back, hang back with them, and tell them that they've been learning to do magic without wands. And mm-hmm. but it's hard; to, you got to practice mm-hmm. to do it, and you know, it goes over a year to work stuff out. But Annabelle decides she's still going to try at least. <laughs> the whole school's gonna just be in trouble after these kids start coming in knowing yeah. how to do magic. The next two or three years, everybody's gonna start coming, learning, knowing wandless magic. Yeah. So. And so they get to the leaky cauldron, mm-hmm. and she gets Harry to come stand up close by her. Please, just please stay close. Why. And there, Justin's going, "What's that about?" And he says, "Oh, my sister's very famous. Mm-hmm. Oh no, actually, my brother's a well-known war hero." And they're both going, yeah, right, really. But But they walk in and Harry gets mobbed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if that's a call out to uh, the Deathly Hallows epilogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I thought that too. Oh, yes, I'm very famous. I'm very famous, yes. yes. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, thought the exact same thing. Depends on when this came out, I guess. I'll have to ask White Squirrel. So Harry's getting mobbed, and he's just about ripped away from his family, and he's starting to get a little scared, and he's starting to... He, he can't use wandless magic, and he can't turn into a cat, and his father yeah. has his arms, so he can't even do karate. And McGonagall sets off a firework, basically. Mm-hmm. Bang! Back mm-hmm. up! Mr. Potter yeah. is just now becoming reacquainted with the magical world. Let's give him a little room! Mm-hmm. And this all this adulation is misplaced, given that the victory was in all likelihood his late mother's doing, and he has a great deal of shopping to do. They head off. She almost managed to get them through without all that starting, but Tom still recognized him. Yeah, Tom would. So she... And, and I really like this part, so you have to have a wand, or you have to have the Anti-muggle charm. Anti-anti-muggle charm. And you touch the brick that's three up and two across from the dustbin, and it opens up into the arch. It opens up into the arch. But I like that there's... Because how else would muggle people get in there? You have to have Tom do it? You Mm -hmm. know? 
So I, I really like that idea. Yeah. I have read where they do do that. If you know, if a Muggleborn is coming for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, you can ask Tom, and he'll open the alley for you. Yeah, but, well, uh, that makes sense. But this is good too. So they head off into the alley, and he sort of apologize for all the ruckus around Harry. And he says, at least the patrons in the alley should be a little more sober. In both senses of the word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, it will probably be better once the novelty is worn off. Mm, Yeah, really. She passes out maps of the alley and says, okay, guys, go get what you need. And then we're going to meet at the ice cream shop for at five o'clock. But you probably all want to come with me to Gringotts and exchange some money. And maybe open mm. some accounts. So that's where so they go. She, she explains about the goblins a little bit. Deal with them politely, they'll reciprocate. And mm-hmm. so she bows to the guards, and everyone else does too. Harry reads up, reads the thieving poem, which is mm-hmm. still fun. And he's wondering if he should put it on his door to his room. And her mind, he's like, you're the one that always takes my books. They're not just mm-hmm. your books. They're Hermione's. Any any books in a three-block radius are Hermione's. Mm. So they go on in and present Harry Potter's key so he can get into his vault, because they've had a number of Harry Potter imposters try to come in and get yeah. into the vault. And apparently there's been some legal things going on that uh, James and Lily left uh, an endowment basically for any members of Mr. Potter's family yes. to also go to Hogwarts. Which So Hermione doesn't have to pay. Yay! And her parents said, you know, I, we could have paid for them, but it's a relief too to know that we don't have it to. It gives they- them a little extra to do on a, use on other things. Mm-hmm. And it's just makes them feel really good because they can tell that Harry's parents were looking out for him. And, yeah. And, and, you know, they they knew that it was possible that they could die, and, and they made arrangements if that were the case. Mm-hmm. So. And they discover that Harry is apparently a millionaire because mm-hmm. he has, let's see, 5,000 galleons just in the bit for his family. And each galleon is 51.25 pounds. Yeah, oh, he has 80,000 galleons 80, in total. Gal- yeah. And then times 51 <laughs> gets you quite a bit. Quite a bit of money. So they ride the roller coaster down to the vault. Vault 687. And they're mm-hmm. freaking out. They thought the night bus was bad. Nope. But then they walk in here and there's gold coins stacked almost as tall as Harry and there's silver and bronze and there's life-size magical portraits and they find a thing of jewelry and then, of course, Hermione finds the rare books. Mm-hmm. She would. Uh-huh. But they're not in English and the ones that she could interpret are kind of, you know, old and rare. You probably shouldn't be reading them. But they did find a first edition, an autographed first edition of Fantastic Beasts, more to find them. 
Cool. And another one that's a little bit older, that, but it's still in English. And apparently the, the galleons in, at least at that point in 1991 or whenever it is here, translated to 4,100,000 pounds. Wow. Pretty good, pretty good haul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Griphook's trying to hurry them along a little bit, but he mm-hmm. does at least explain how newts and sickles work. Dan realizes it's prime numbers. Yes. Because, you know, wizards, arithmancy. And And so we're going through the list of things that they need. They head off to Madame Malkin's. No one approaches Harry because Professor McGonagall is standing right there. With her wand out. (laughs) She looks like she means business. They head off to the cauldron shop and the Grangers aren't so sure about this pewter cauldron thing, but apparently they do have uh, fire protection charms, so yeah. they won't just melt. <laughs> Don't melt. <laughs> and they go get they get scales and they get a telescope, and the whole family is kind of into stars, so they kind of mm-hmm. want a bigger one. But the shopkeeper talks Harry into the student-sized one that he can actually carry. Yes, which is helpful because is... you know you have to go up to the top of the astronomy mm-hmm. tower, yeah. and. Uh, and they get a collapsible cauldron because they figure they'll have books and all the rest of the space. So Yeah, because Hermione's going to use her trunk and Harry's trunk for mm-hmm. that. And then when we're thinking about pets, Harry decides mm-hmm. he doesn't want to take Rowena with her because she probably wouldn't, with him rather, because she probably wouldn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's getting old. She's like 70. And she doesn't really want to move. So oh, she's happy where she is. So they decide to get an owl. And look who's there. Hedwig. Mm-hmm. Harry tries to name her Helga this time, yeah. but uh, Hermione comes up with Hedwig still. Mm-hmm. Hedwig of Vienna. Mm-hmm. She invented the flame freezing charm. And then we go to Ollivander's, mm-hmm. and Mr. Ollivander is still creepy. He is. He <laughs> gets Hermione's wand just bam like that. It calls to him. And mm-hmm. apparently to her. I but, wonder if some of that is due to building up their wandless magic muscles a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means she's likely to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. A wand of hidden depths and great vision. But Perry's wand still has just as much trouble as it did in canon. We even get uh, several sections in here that are Quoted directly, which White Squirrel has put into uh, italics. Yeah. Oh, Harry, when he feels the wands, he feels like they're, you know, they all will do a little something for him, but he can feel them wanting to get away from him, almost repelling him. So yeah. The wands that don't match. And I'm sure that's because he's so in tune with his magic now, too. Yeah, he can feel them resisting working. Mm hmm. So then they head off to the bookshop, and they've got one copy of History of Magic. Yes. But but then they get all the other things. Hermione picks up the Standard Book of Spells, Grade 2, and Harry picks up the Defense Textbooks, and Dan and Emma get The Rise and Fall of the Dark Arts and Great Wizarding Events of the 20th Century, (laughs) which are the books Hermione and Canon mentioned as having read about Harry in. And then they pass the rack for the Harry Potter adventures. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Temple of Doom. 
Harry Potter in the Congo. Harry Potter and the Orient Express. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then here comes Ginny. Oh, look, it's Harry Potter Down Under. That's a new one. I love these books. Yeah. He says, that doesn't even look like me. But I've never been to Australia. And she notices and is like, <gasps> that's Harry Potter. <laughs> Ginny, get and your she... book, dear. I need to go home. We have to start dinner. Mom, mom, mom. It's Harry Potter. Yeah, she does, she can't get enough words enough out. But eventually, Molly does notice, and the twins are there too. Yeah. And, uh, Blimey, are you? He is, aren't you? Fred George, don't bother him. And he says, oh, well, don't worry about it. I was just going to get myself a set of these, because mm-hmm. I want to know what people are saying about me. Yeah. And the twins are impressed. They figure Harry Potter, reading about Harry Potter is a pretty good prank. Yeah, that is so. a good prank. And then they all meet for ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they read through some of these stories, and they're like, oh, this is just weird. But mm-hmm. Harry is a little bit worried, because this is kind of a lot to live up to. So we shift in Chapter 14 to a scene with Albus and Minerva, mm-hmm. to talking about how things went. And she mentions that Ollivander said Harry now has the brother wand to Voldemort. Dumbledore was kind of expecting, actually. Yeah. And then she mentions that Hermione has a Vinewood wand, and that surprises him. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. He's going to keep a close eye on them. Yep. And, and then, then Cousin Andy brings the Daily Prophet by, and Rita Skeeter has written an article about the return of Harry Potter. Most of it's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Minerva's cursing people and hexing people to keep them away from the boy who lived. And he was with this unnamed muggle family. Has he found himself a girlfriend already? Yeah. So. <laughs> and they are not impressed with that. Andromeda says, well, we're lucky it's as accurate as it is. And she didn't get a hold of your names because Mrs. Ol- Mr. Ollivander gave a quote but didn't give their names. Yes, which was good. And they want to know, but she named Andy as his proxy or his proxy, his point of contact for the wizarding world and mentioned his birthday. So she's getting floods of mail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's really, I get mail. Yes, you get mail. You get lots of mail. Lots of mail comes to my office. Would suggest that we donate everything to a charity so Mm -hmm. that nobody. Yeah. Except the stuff that's poisonous or corrosive or etc. And yeah. so they decide what they're going to do is write a letter to the editor, but only say a few things because they'll leave off releasing the true story until a few months have passed and things have died down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it'll penetrate people's minds better rather than just an immediate rebuttal. Right. Yeah, they want to wait a bit because they want to be want people to know they're serious about the privacy part. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're going to do. And Andromeda also invites all of them to come spend a week with her to kind of learn a little bit more about wizarding culture and what things are like in a wizard house. So they they're a little more prepared for mm-hmm. things that people they'll meet and how things will be at Hogwarts. Right. And also, she's decided that now that um, 
Harry's officially reintroduced, they probably could go through with changing his magical guardianship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't want to do that a while ago to kind of tip their hand. Yeah, but so. now that Harry's out and out and about in the world again, they're going to remove Dumbledore as his magical guardian and set Andy up instead. Yeah. And she also has a moment with Emma where she wonders, you know, of course Dumbledore has said a lot that Voldemort's still out there, but do you think maybe he is actually dead? And Andromeda says, well, it's possible, but personally I believe he is still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's better to be safe than sorry. And we get to see her letter to the editor about, you know, thanks for the, all the birthday wishes and we're going to donate everything. And those who spent pranked, jinked, bo- jinxed, booby-trapped, or cursed letters, they were intercepted, and we will find out who you are. <laughs> but Mr. Potter and his guardians value their privacy, and we will not be giving any interviews at this time. Also, Professor McGonagall didn't hex anybody. So then, it's Harry's birthday! Yay! <laughs> Tiffany and Paul have come over for pizza. Always good for a birthday. Always. They're talking about, you know, Harry Harry and Hermione are going away to the magnet school, basically. Mm-hmm. And the only reason is because Harry's parents went, so Harry has a way in, and Hermione only gets to go because of Harry. Because Paul wants to know if, you know, they have an exchange student program, so he can come. But apparently not. They don't take transfers. No. But they and they call it right to each other. they call it Hogwarts school for gifted youngsters, so mm-hmm. they still use Hogwarts. And Paul says that sounds like a labor version of X Men. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, you know, can't exactly say witchcraft and wizardry at this point. No, you can't. And this next bit is one that had me wondering a little bit because having Harry with the Grangers shouldn't really change the way that Voldemort reacts, but in this one. That he's apparently told Quirrell to quit it with the stuttering. That'll mm-hmm. just make people suspicious. So he's going to try and appear competent. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. <clears throat> and they they barely have a time. So and Andy has given Harry a subscription, two subscriptions to the Prophet for his birthday. Yeah. One that will go to school and one that will go home so that they can kind of keep up with what's going on. Yeah. And Dumbledore flu calls in and mm-hmm. they're sort of going, Oh, what's what's happened? It's a, is it an emergency? And he's going, No, I just fulfilling my promise to tell you anything related to Voldemort and we think that this Gringotts break in was some sort of Death Eater activity. Yeah. They're a little bit skeptical about, you know, Six years, nothing happened, and as soon as Harry's name shows up in the press, things are happening. Yeah. And, and you know, that's not necessarily the reason that it happened when it did, but nobody knows yeah. for sure. <coughs> so they head off to the Tonks' house, have an intensive crash course on all sorts of things. All sorts of magic. Mm-hmm. They get to learn more about Hogwarts from Tonks. A little bit, or from Dora. I want to call her Tongs. From Dora, and she's scored high enough on her newts to get into aura training, and she got a special citation for summoning her wand at a crucial point. So now Mooney's 
Moody. Moody is going to have, you know, take her under the his wing, as it were. Mm-hmm. Which may or may not be canon, because mm-hmm. she had that little extra boost to learn to do that. And they have some fun being in a magical mm-hmm. house. It's all sorts of neat enchantments, making cooking and cleaning easier yeah. than they are even with modern technology. And uh, there's all sorts of charmed knickknacks and toys and magical plants. Yeah. And they learn about things about the uh, the noble and ancient houses. And And Dan wants to know, what's the deal with goblin rebellions? Why is it such a big deal? And he says, well, they're not really a big deal anymore, but that's what people seem to know about goblins. And it's weird that the privileged supremacists even trust the goblins to run banks, but they just sort of feel they're beneath them. And of course, they'll run the banks properly because they wouldn't dare not. Yeah, and they're and, too uh, lazy to do it themselves. So mm-hmm. they're going to let them do it. And then they talk about house elves and Hermione's like, house elves? Oh, well. Don't worry about that. That's another can of worms. But so then, they do learn about those before they get to school, at least. Mm-hmm. But they've decided they're going to go back to Gringotts to inventory the vault. Mm-hmm. And so... And we find... Andy wants to check things over just in case there's anything that might have been cursed, even though it's not as likely with the Potters as it would be with the Blacks. And they do find one tiara that was a black family heirloom uh, cursed to give blisters to muggles yeah and uh, andy says the goblins will take the curse off for a fee of course and they also find some portraits Mm -hmm. that's quite fun that takes a little bit to wake him up Mm -hmm. because he's been asleep for a long time but andy kind of hits him with a spell (laughs) we wake up a you know, middle slash modern English. I don't, I can't remember what the actual term is for Shakespearean English. Cause I think it's like middle English is the one before that. And then there's what they called that. And then there's ours, mm-hmm. but it's Quora again. The term Scott was looking for is old English. You can still hear it spoken in West Virginia, but not by this West Virginian. Potterfic Weekly, not only entertaining, but condescendingly informative as well. Anyway, he speaks in a Shakespearean sort of manner, except he's a little bit Scottish. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he introduces himself as, eventually, Wolfric Henderson Potter, from, and his wife is there as well, and Harry's grandparents, Charles and Doria. And Belladonna Black, who used to be a greengrass. So they they spread out all the portraits, and they're all kind of talking. And Aunt Doria, Andy recognizes her, and she's like, Andromeda, Andromeda Black, I remember you. And baby Harry! Mm-hmm. And so it comes out that they, some one of them, some of them were damaged in the, fire and one of them actually lost their complete portrait but jumped into the husband's portrait in order to save themselves so even though they Mm -hmm. don't have a painting they're still there yeah and they decide that these yes unfortunately belladonna's husband perseus uh, didn't make it out at all but Mm -hmm. uh, melania 
Wolfric's husband did manage to hide. And they decide that those Her portraits Wolfric's can come wife. hang in Andromeda's place. Mm-hmm. And so at least they can come visit. Because it wouldn't really quite work to take them to the Grangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would not be a good thing. But And then Hermione screams because she has found the complete first folio of Shakespeare. Of Shakespeare. And his sonnets. Mm-hmm. And those are signed yes. to Wolfric Henson, Henderson Potter and Melania Shacklebolt on the joyous occasion of your marriage. Apparently, I'm not enough of a Shakespeare scholar to actually mm-hmm. know this, but it looks like there must be some thing that people have that's mis- signed mysteriously to a WH. Yeah. And in this case, they figured out that's Wolfric Henderson. Wolfric Henderson. Ho ho. Yeah. So yeah. anyone who knows more about Shakespeare stuff, comment about that and let us know what's going on. It sounds mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So those books are, you know, worth millions by themselves. Not that they would sell them, but... So Hermione is in book heaven. And we move back to their house, where Hermione is curled up and reading magical drafts and potions. Just in case, because she's trying to memorize everything, Mm -hmm. as she did in canon. But Harry is there to say, you know, you think you might be going a little overboard. Pretty sure nobody else is going to memorize the entire textbook. Yeah. She says, well, okay, maybe you have a point, but I'm still going to read this potions one, because it sounds like Professor Snape is kind of hard to deal with. Yeah, so then they decide they're going to play chess. And here we are at platform nine and three quarters Mm -hmm. on the 1st of September. Chapter 15. And they're heading off, and they they find a compartment and head on in, Mm -hmm. and then... They've been sitting there for a little while, and the Weasleys come along. And they remember them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that works. Do you guys mind? Everybody, everything else is for full, says Ron. And Sure, come on in. And yeah. the twins don't stay very long. They have to go see the spider that Lee Jordan, of course, has brought on the train. Mm-hmm. To which Ron is unimpressed with. We do get a bit of a flashback to... um Andromeda's opinion of the Weasleys and talking about how well Arthur does doing things behind the scenes and uh, Mm -hmm. how Dora actually was kind of a fan of the Harry Potter books to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Orient Express was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Harry says, I've heard a little bit about you, actually. My cousin Andromeda Tonks is working with your father on the Muggle Protection Act. And they're like, oh, and the twins are like, oh. He's heard of us, George. Only good things, I hope, Fred. And then Hermione's like, wait a minute, you said you were George, and you were Fred. That's silly, I'm Gred and I'm Ford. Uh-huh. So and they you would kind be... of try and figure out which one is which. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. And Ron's kind of shocked that he says, it's my sister. Harry Potter doesn't have a sister. Uh, he does, because he's now adopted. Yep. And of course, and, Fred and Gor- Fred and George think that's a grand prank as well. Mm-hmm. Harry says, "But it's true." Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it's even better if it's true. So, and Ron's like, "So you were really ma- raised by Muggles?" Ginny's going to be so disappointed. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know about magic or his parents until he was five. 
But, but now and he don't. mentions the name Voldemort, and the Weasleys all go. <gasps> <gasps> you said his name. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. And Hermione gets to it. do the fear of the name quote. Mm-hmm. So you know she figured that out when she was six. Uh, yeah. But well, the twins are going to go find Lee and his tarantula, and then the um, they chat for a little bit. It's kind of awkward, a little. Mm-hmm. The few times that uh, Harry mentions, you know, mom and dad, and so on. Then the trolley comes along, and Harry doesn't really want anything because, of course, he doesn't like, like sweet sweets. things anymore. Yeah. But and they Ron's have pumpkin sandwiches. and licorice, Both so he likes. He has to get some of those. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron opens it up, opens up his sandwich, is like, "Oh, I don't like corned beef," and Harry's like, "I do." Want to trade? That's like candy. <laughs> Ron's like, you're messing with me, aren't you? Hermione's like, yeah, my brother's not normal. <laughs> so he passes over a pumpkin pasty and Harry gets a corned beef sandwich and everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Scabbers comes over and looks at him and is kind of shocked because, mm-hmm. you know, Harry's a cat and it looks like he's going to pounce on him. And he just sort of has to shake himself out of it. Yeah. I'm a cat person, he says. And, and I like this. One. I thought you could only have owls, cats, or toads at Hogwarts. And Ron says, nah, they mean you can only have one of those three, but you can have smaller pets. So that explains the existence of the rat and the tarantula. Mm-hmm. And then Draco Malfoy comes in, because everyone's saying Harry Potter's in this compartment. Mm-hmm. And... Harry says, ah, you must be Draco Malfoy, heir of the noble and most ancient house of Malfoy. So on. Yes, your family's rather hard to miss, Mr. Malfoy, with as many things as your father has named after him. <laughs> My father's does... a well-respected philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does shake his hand when Malfoy makes his little offer, but he still says, My sister and I can already tell the wrong sort. And they head off. Ron is surprised and says, I didn't think anyone could make Malfoy back down. And says, yeah, you just have to know how you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Basically, you pretend you're better than everybody else and ask, act really sarcastic about it. Merlin, why would anybody want to be a Slytherin, says Ron. And Hermione says, well, Merlin was a Slytherin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they mention, you know, well, Sirius Black was in Gryffindor and he turned out dark. So Yeah, and Cousin Andy was a Slytherin and she's really nice. And Scabbers sort of goes, <laughs> and goes back to sleep. Yeah. Harry says, I think I want to be in Gryffindor. Because my birth parents were there. So they head off, and they're maybe going to get ready to change. So they do. And then a toad shows up, and Hermione nearly steps on it. Mm-hmm. But they have captured, he captures Trevor and hands him back to Neville when he comes looking. Harry pulls out his Neville Longbottom heir to the most noble and ancient house of Longbottom, and Neville's like, um, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Pleased to meet you. I'm Harry Potter. He doesn't really... Lord Potter, I'm I'm honored to meet you. The anti-Draco. But he makes friends with him. (laughs) Yeah. Funny how Mm. that works. That inbreeding's catching up with them. Oh dear. Yeah. And apparently most of the most ancient houses have children at the same time, which is how they happen to have so many of them showing up in Harry's first year. Mm. 
And we get a little bit of a flashback about learning about the most ancient houses and how, funnily enough, the ones who don't care about blood purity are the ones who are still going strong. <laughs> so then we get to Hogwarts and meet Hagrid. And he introduces himself because he did, hasn't met Harry before in this mm-hmm. version. And, just uh, like your dad. Mm-hmm. Except you got your mom's eyes. Mm-hmm. My name is Rubius Hagrid. You could just call me Hagrid, keeper of the keys and rounds here at Hogwarts. And so they head off to the boats mm-hmm. and cross the lake, and they all notice when they cross the wards. It's not, and it's, so it's sort of taking that moment in canon mm-hmm. where Harry first got to see the castle and went, wow, and they figure, that's when you cross the wards and it feels really good. So, which is just as well because they need the extra energy to get up all those stairs from mm-hmm. the boat grotto to the entrance. Haggard knocks Hagrid three knocks times. on the door and we meet Professor McGonagall again, looking sterner than usual. She lines them all up and explains about the sorting ceremony and the house point system and then the ghosts show mm-hmm. up, of course, and everybody screams. Yeah. Well, not everybody. So all of this sort of proceeds as in canon. Mm-hmm. And then they head up to the sorting, and Harry thinks, well, it's good it's not a troll. He's not so impressed with the hat's singing skills. And then they start t- down the list to get sorted, and um, Harry recognizes a few more people this time than he mm-hmm. would have in the first place. Yeah, he knows Terry Boot. Mm-hmm. And Amanda Brocklehurst, great-granddaughter of Ethelred Brocklehurst, number one patron of the theater. I think they must have gone to at some point. Hermione. And then Hermione goes, and the hat, the hat says, well, you know, you've got definitely got the brains for Ravenclaw, but you've also got a lot of courage, so you'd do well either way. And he says, well, she says, well, I figure Harry will be in Gryffindor, so I'd rather go there. And then Harry's been making little comments to Ron about who all these people are as they come up, which is Mm -hmm. kind of amusing. It's a little bit backwards to usual. And then Neville has as much trouble as before, and Malfoy has as as little. Mm -hmm. And then Harry has to go up, and the hat can tell he's an Animagus. Oh, yes. Of course, he's not going to tell anybody. He's apparently seen it twice before, but he's not going to tell Harry about that either. No. But he says, the clues may still be out there for you to find, so that may be a thread that comes back. I guess we'll have to see. Oh, and you could be great in Ravenclaw, you know. And Mm -hmm. Harry's like, me and Ravenclaw? Hermione and Gryffindor? I'd never hear the end of it. Oh, all right. Guess you'll go for Gryffindor. Gryffindor! Because this Harry, having been raised somewhat differently, no longer has the thirst to prove himself that would Mm -hmm. make him great in Slytherin, even though he he is still talented and cunning. So, Harry and Hermione compare notes, and they're like, you mean we both could have been in Ravenclaw? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. And then Dumbledore gets up to welcome everyone with his <sighs> nitwit blubber oddment tweak. Yeah, he's a bit bad, but he's also a genius. And here's where we get the flashback about learning about house elves a bit mm-hmm. more. And they realize that, you know, even though it's not great that they exist and and serve people quite that way, it's not great to go around freeing them on mass either because they actually do 
have a need for that at this point. And Hermione has a thought about Sir Nicholas. How is it that ghosts can speak if they're intangible? Because you have to move the air molecules somehow. And Sir Nick's sort of going, well, I've never really thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) It works. (laughs) Myrtle's the only one who really has been able to haunt things and make them move, which is how she keeps breaking the pipes and flooding the bathroom. She's not much for conversations, is Percy. No. And... No one will tell her why a ghost wants to haunt a bathroom. So they just drop the subject. And she's not very impressed when Seamus says, you know, a bit about being half and half and it being rather a shock for his parents, for his his, uh, father. But, you know, apparently they weren't allowed to let him know before they were married because he's not related until then. And they're even more horrified by Neville's story about... Mm -hmm. Throwing, being thrown out a window and bouncing. But I bounced all the way down. They were all really pleased. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, he's the last Longbottom, or might be. He didn't have magic. The line would end that way. But they sort of have to force themselves not to get into it, or at least Hermione does. And then we have our moment with Scarpane from either Snape and or Quirrell. And Harry says, oh, it's nothing. Really, it's gone. It's never happened before, but I will tell the nurse if it happens again. Hermione, Hermione nags him a little to know more. who the two teachers are the, on the end are because she figures out that that's where Harry was looking. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Mr. S- Professor Snape, who teaches potions. And Professor Quirrell in the turban, he's Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And we have another bit of a flashback about who Snape is, and Mm -hmm. is Dumbledore's admitted spy on the other side, which makes the whole going back thing in book four a little awkward, but oh well. Um, And then, always be careful around the defense professor, because something's going to happen to them. They will either go nuts, or be injured, or one of ours fell out a window, or (laughs) so... (laughs) Just, you know, they might be perfectly fine people, but be careful anyway, because yeah. you never know. They seem to be cor- cursed. Dora's telling stories. Yeah. Voldemort did it because Dumbledore turned him down for the job, and ever since, something bad's always happened. There's ones that got sacked, and there was one for sleeping with students. <laughs> Dora! What? Mm-hmm. It's true. For teaching lies, injuring students, <laughs> accidentally injuring students, deliberately injuring students. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Professor Professor Quirrell's perfectly fine. He taught Muggle studies for years. It's just that, you know, there might be some sort of accident around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, be very alert if he does anything potentially dangerous, because it could backfire horribly. And then we get the announcement about the f- third floor, and they're sort of going, that? really doesn't make sense, because, you know, now everybody's going to want to know. Yeah, I know. Which is true. Very but, true. Yeah. Either Dumbledore's setting them up to go find out some stuff, or he just doesn't really think of that. Don't worry, the prefix will keep everybody away. Uh, right, Percy, I'm sure you will. Harry's a little annoyed to find out he's got to climb another seven floors to get to his room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But his, and his new roommates have lots they want to say. And his picture that he got of his parents 
is now moving, which is kind of shocking because mm-hmm. it hasn't done that for the last six years, but because Dumbledore probably froze it. And then we have a little moment with Monsieur Draco Malfoy. He's writing to his father and mother where he's been sorted and not in Greengrass. And Greengrass is sort of keeping her distance and hanging around with Tracy Davis. Harry Potter rejected my offer but was more polite than I expected about it, and he did know who I was, by name at least. But he had already met the Weasleys, and he's probably palling around with Longbottom too, so, you know, can't expect too much from him. Also, he's got an adopted sister sister. who's probably Muggleborn, so he's not likely to turn against his aunt's Muggle Rights Act. Potter and his sister both went to Gryffindor, although the hat didn't decide right away for either of them. Longbottom went there too, though I don't know why when he's such an obvious Hufflepuff. <laughs> Your loving son, Draco. Yes. That's... Neville would be a good Hufflepuff, but he's he would. also a good Gryffindor. He and is he... a wonderful Gryffindor. It's, sorry, it's uh, not the house that uh, Neville wanted, but the one that he needs or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. because, you know, if he got sorted into Hufflepuff, then he'd have got together with Hannah even earlier. Hmm. It's true. Possibly, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Although maybe he needed some of that extra confidence to catch her eye in the first place. No, that's true. But that is where we wrap up another eight chapters. Mm -hmm. Yes, I guess we're just doing sections of eight at this point. Yeah. Yeah, actually, White Squirrel broke this down for me. He was the one that suggested this, these chapters. So oh, that's why that's cool. I did them the way I did them because he he made the suggestion, and I said, "Okay, I will take him at your word." But I, that's a good spot to, you know, they've just arrived at Hogwarts, and classes will start next time, and we'll see what's going to mm-hmm. happen. See how things go. Yes. And I am still enjoying this story. It's, mm-hmm. it's just fun. It is I mean, fun. With this last chapter in particular, we do get a number of things that happen the same way, but mm-hmm. you've got to go through that because it doesn't make sense if you change things radically that wouldn't be changed with right. whatever your point of departure is. Harry's raised by the Grangers, and now um, all of Hogwarts actually has six houses. And I suppose that he could have put him in Ravenclaw. Could have worked. Could have gone through and, uh, you know, learned more about what Ravenclaw might be like. But it's harder to do that because we really don't know a lot about them. We, since book seven, we at least know how to get into Ravenclaw Tower. And we know who some of the Ravenclaws are. But apart from Luna and Cho, we never really interact with them. Right. So it, some authors like to have lots of stuff to make up, and some it's for some it's more of a stumbling block. So, and it's kind of neat to see just the little things that being more cat-like cause to change for Harry. Like mm-hmm. uh, Hermione had to put vegetables on his plate. He doesn't really care about dessert. He's probably not a fan of treacle tart in this version, because no, I imagine not. that's pretty sweet. No. I and I like, like that he likes the pumpkin pasties and the licorice because they are sweet, but they are a little bit less sweet than most. And a lot of people don't like like black licorice. Mm-hmm. 
I was one of them for a while. I, I still, it's okay, but it's not one of my favorite things. Yeah, I've always really liked it. Mm-hmm. And pumpkin. <laughs> and he's pumpkin is ubiquitous for the Wizarding World for one thing, and he's wildly excited that there's pumpkin juice, whereas Hermione's kind of like, eh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> We don't really see how Canon Harry feels about that. He just drinks it because that's what's there. That's what's there. So, but I am liking the story too. I, like you said, it's really fun to see how being a cat kind of changes him in just these little subtle ways. It's neat to see him have coming into school with not only a family that loves him, so he has that security and a sister. So he he's coming in with a little bit more, well, the only word I can think of is security, and, and that's not quite the right word, but he, you know, he's confidence, confidence and, and stuff like that, because he, he knows that he has someone behind him and that loves him. And it's really neat to see him coming in with the knowledge of the pure blood society and what to do. So, oh, yes, you're from the noble house of... Malfoy and you're from the noble house of Longbottom and you know and he he kind of has the nuances that kind of give him a step up mm-hmm. because they almost have to respect him because he's respecting them kind of a thing yeah which is kind of so, helpful for Harry mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that he didn't know so this gives him a little extra to yeah. start off with so. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how classes go, because mm-hmm. I don't know whether things will be different, or if he'll have skills in the same areas, or get distracted by a ball of yarn in Charms class, or <laughs> <laughs> they're floating feathers, and he just, who knows? Yeah, I can just see it now, yeah, when they're levitating the, f- the feathers, he's going to be up on his desk trying to bat them. <laughs> and that'll be fun. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next chapters, too. I'm glad we did this tonight, because now I get to load the next chapters and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may or may not be on the next set of chapters, so if yeah. I'm not, uh, have fun, and I will return later. But will uh, catch us up the next one. Thank you all for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening as we did reading these. And mm-hmm. if you haven't started reading them yet, while you're listening to this, go read the book. <laughs> yes! Go read the book. <laughs> Silly people. Although, some people have said they enjoy listening to the podcast and then go read things. So, mm-hmm. I guess if that works for you, feel free. I guess that works. But for now, we shall bring this end of this episode of Potterfic Weekly to a close and say goodnight, everybody. Good night. together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all those stories told by Jen 
Will it drive lying round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends.